0: Hi and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. Horizon Church is a Christ-centred, Word-based and Spirit-led church. We are so happy to bring this week's message to you. And on behalf of our pastors, Brad and Ali Bonholm and the Horizon Church team, we pray it's a blessing to you. Um, if you have your Bibles, we're going to begin today by reading from Matthew chapter 1. And uh, here we are at the beginning of Christmas, the beginning of our Christmas season at Horizon. And uh, as Carl said, so clearly shared, you know, the, the December is, is when you set up your Christmas tree. Is there anyone who's a pre-December Christmas tree, you set her up right? Yeah, you guys are amazing. You guys carry the cheer. Who's like a December 1 person like Kelly and Carl? Yeah, I'm a bit like that myself, but we're officially in December, people. Can you believe it? But, but today we're talking about Christmas. You know, Christmas is the day that the world changed forever, It's the day that God himself became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. And uh, today, what we're going to do around the word is actually go on a bit of a journey through the Christmas story. Is that all right? So, if you have your Bible, turn with me to Matthew chapter 1, and we're going to read from verse 18. And it says this It says, This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. And if you're taking notes, the title of my message this morning is God With Us. And we're just going to pray, ask for God just to be here and just to open up our hearts and our eyes to the Scriptures this morning. So Jesus, we are just so excited just to take this time to explore who you are and to dive into this miraculous story of Christmas, God. I pray you to open up our hearts, God. You bring revelation, God, to us about the heart that you have for humanity and how every single person Is one that you love deeply and that you came for. And so we pray this morning, God, you'd be present in our hearts to do what only you can do in Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Fantastic. Well, um, you know, Milani and I, uh, many of you will know, some of you may not. We're actually pregnant with our third child. Uh, I know, it's very exciting. And not only our third child, but our third daughter. And uh, (laughs) it's really cool. I'm really, really excited. We're due in April next year. And uh, tomorrow, uh, we're at that 19-week mark. So tomorrow we have our next scan, get to say hello to our baby, which is very special. And, uh, you know, this season of pregnancy is a season of expectation. You know, you know that something is coming. You are so excited to discover a little bit more about this little person who is going to become one of the most important people in our entire life. You know, you start to wonder and you start asking yourself the question, who is this little girl? And, you know, who is she called to be and what is her life going to look like, you know? And so it's easy to find yourself getting all excited and full of expectation for the arrival of this little, little child and you know I love you all and some of some of us go back like you know 20 plus years and so we're close but the truth is that this child who is yet to be born will become one of the most important people in my life. Uh, She will become somebody that I devote my life to and you know ideally at the end of my life will be one of those few people that are around celebrating all that God has done. You know it is it is remarkable to think that right now Somebody so important to me hasn't even yet arrived. And and, and you just think about it. It's like, I can't imagine life with this third child. I I have no concept of what it's actually going to look like or how it's going to be. But at the end of my life, as I look back, I wouldn't have been able to imagine life without her. Such will be the impact of this newborn baby. You know, prior to a baby arriving, you have expectation, but no revelation. You don't know who she is, or who the baby is going to be. Uh, you know, you think you think you know, but you don't fully know. Uh, case in point was my first daughter. Um, when I found out we were having a, a girl, uh, I just, you know, silly now I think about it, but I unconsciously just pictured a mini Milani. <laughs> you know, I just thought, my wife, she's half Dutch and half Tongan, and so she's tall, dark, looks like a holiday, and... um, <laughs> Absolutely. I'm just like picturing this little Islander baby, you know, because it's a girl. I'm like, if it's a boy, it's probably going to look like me, girl look like Malani. But on the day of Lacey's arrival, I will never forget when she finally arrives and they bring her out, they put her on the scales. Under the light, I'm like, she has got red hair. <laughs> and she is like translucent white. I was just like, was not ready for that. And of course I'm like, oh yes, I'm also involved in this. That makes sense now. <laughs> uh, I had this expectation, this idea, this picture of what my child was going to look like and was completely blown away when it was almost polar opposite. And if you've seen my daughter, she's, she's, uh, she's white with bright flaming red hair. It's absolutely amazing, but she doesn't look much like my wife, to be honest. What a revelation. What a moment of just like, whoa. And the truth is that every day from then until now, as I have spent time with her and as I've been in her presence, I've discovered discovered more and more who she is, who she really is and the characteristics, the personality. All of this has come out and as time goes on, more of her is revealed to us. You know, uh, all that I had imagined and anticipated this child to be has been constantly reshaped by her presence in my life. And this is the experience of Christmas for us as humanity. You know, uh, the, the Bible, uh, the Old Testament talks so consistently and continually about the coming Messiah. Uh, you know, every year we, we celebrate at Christmas this, this man called Jesus who was born. But before he was born, the understanding of Jesus came from the Old Testament prophets, and the scriptures that Israel had access to that helped them to understand God's promises. And what's amazing about Jesus is that there was an expectation of who the Messiah would be, but we now know that the Messiah far exceeded anyone's expectations. And the entire New Testament documents some of the unfolding revelation that people were having about God himself and about Jesus. You know... Um, uh, over the last few months, I, uh, I've been listening to the Bible. Um, about two and a bit months ago, I really felt to listen to the Bible and, and to, to um, read the whole Bible, get through the whole Bible before the end of the year. And, uh, you know, it only takes about 50 hours to listen to the Bible. And you might think, well, oh, 50 hours? <laughs> I don't have 50 hours. Well, I would challenge you to get eight phone, <laughs> go to settings, <laughs> go to screen time, Have a look at some of the hours that you're spending, you know, scrolling through this, scrolling through that. Maybe some of the time you spend driving, commuting to and from work. You'll quickly realise that 50 hours is not that long a time to find to listen to the Bible. Now one of the powerful things about listening to the Bible or reading the Bible in a short amount of time is that you sort of condense all of this history Into a couple of months, and everything that is written, you know, from the book of Genesis through all of the the major prophets and minor prophets, it's all fresh in your mind. When, like this week, conveniently for my message, I turned to the Gospels, we got to the New Testament. And what is so profound after listening to the Bible over these last couple of months is that when you finally get to the Gospels and Jesus arrives, it is truly remarkable. You can almost feel this arrival, and you have a, a an anticipation that has been building that in that moment comes to pass, it hits you. It almost physically, you, you almost feel it. You know, that first uh, Gospel of Matthew, we just read from chapter one here, when it talks about Jesus, you almost get teary. You're like, this is what I've been reading about. This is what everyone's been waiting for. This is what all of these prophecies have pointed towards. This is the moment. One of the ways I can sort of explain it is it's almost like, you know, you get up before the sun and, you know, you're outside and maybe you're down the beach or somewhere like that and you're looking out there, over everything's dark, but then slowly it starts to get a little bit brighter, see a little bit more, comes a little bit clearer, but there is no mistaking that moment when the sun, bang, pops up over the horizon, it hits you. It is, whoa, it is noticeable when that sun comes up. And I'm telling you, you read through the Old Testament and you are getting an insight. You're having this sort of idea about, about what's coming. But that moment that Jesus arrives on the scene, Christmas, <laughs> that very first Christmas when Jesus, God Himself, comes, bang, it hits you. And you are like, wow, isn't this absolutely amazing? You know, by the time of Mary's pregnancy, the expectation of the Messiah it had come to take on a certain form. So you've got to realise that, that those who were around when Jesus arrived didn't have the hindsight that we now have. They didn't have the 2,000 years of theological discussion to try and understand you know, Jesus and the Trinity and God and, and what He did through the cross. And They literally had the prophets, they had the Torah, they had the writings, they had what they had and they had created a narrative about who this Messiah would be. Who did they think it was? They thought it was going to be another King David because, man, they were the glory days of Israel. We're going to have a ruler like King David who comes and brings us back into that place of victory. They're going to conquer the Romans. They're going to conquer the oppressors. They're going to write, we're going to become who we were meant to be. And they picture this victorious military ruler who will come back and overthrow the government and take control for the people of Israel again. They think of Joshua, you know, the one who took the promised land. They are like, God... We need Joshua to return us back to our promised land. This is from you and we need it uh, uh, from from a leader God who can take it by force. But what's amazing is that Jesus, when he arrives, he didn't inaugurate his kingdom with military might, but with teaching. I want to read this scripture in Luke chapter 4, which is sort of the launch of his ministry years. And in verse 16 to 20, it says this, It says, he went to Nazareth, this is Jesus we're talking about, where he had been brought up and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. And he stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. To set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying this to them Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And he went on to put, you know, action to those words. And he did go about. Healing the sick and bringing breakthrough and, and ministering and setting captives free. So he actually started to walk in the, the promise that this scripture gives us. But to the eyes of the average Jewish person, Jesus was a very, um, how do you say, non messiah Messiah. You know what I mean? Sort of like, yo, Jesus, like, when's the revolution coming, right? When, when's the uprising, you know, when do, we, when do we bear arms and take back what is rightfully ours? And Jesus just keeps going from person to person, town to town, sharing about His Father, sharing the good news of the Gospel, setting people free from the oppression of the, the devil. He's, he's, he's seeing people healed. Uh, their infirmities are, are, are healed. Jesus goes about and He starts doing all of this work. Meanwhile, people are like, okay, but soon, soon it's going to shift because we need a military ruler to overthrow the government. That's what we have been expecting. One by one, the people who are in Jesus' world start to come to the realisation of who Jesus actually is and what he is actually doing. And the reality of the role of the Messiah far exceeds what everyone was expecting and the anticipation that they had for this role. You know, Jesus, uh, he didn't just come to change our circumstances. He didn't just come to re-establish the order of authority and to adjust power back into the hands of a few. You know, Jesus actually came to go beyond the physical realm and actually liberate our souls and to set all people free from something that had plagued them for such a long time since the very early days of creation. You know, Jesus did, first of all, it's important to know, have authority to change circumstances Um, We see him get up, wind in the waves, calm down. Creation itself listens to him. You know, he has the power to change circumstances. He walks around healing people. If you're sick, sickness is not of God. And we should pray and ask God for healing. You know, he has the power to change our circumstances. But his mission on earth was primarily not to re-establish power structures, but to do something far deeper. You know, when talking to Pilate, Pilate says, are you the king of the Jews? He's like, well, you know, you say so. And then he says to, to Pilate, like, you know, uh, Pilate's sort of asking and wondering, where is this kingdom that you're building? And this is what Jesus says back to him in John 18, verse 36. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You know, Jesus is not just dealing with the Roman oppressors or the Persians or the Greeks or the Babylonians or Assyrians before them. He's not just trying to remove those, uh, the, the enemies of, of Israel. And he's also aware that Israel itself, you know, when it was in power was still subject to the greater problem of sin that that all people have. And there were rulers who were from Israel who were not able to lead the, the nation as God had ordained them to. And so Jesus knew it wasn't just about putting a particular people group back in a position of authority. It was about setting people free at a far deeper level. And Jesus, what he's actually doing is returning, not to a particular Um, oppressor to push back, but all the way back to the original oppressor and to bring people back to the moment of corruption and to set them free from what began all the way back in Genesis chapter three with the fall. And Jesus' mission is to actually go and resolve that problem from which all brokenness, all sin, all error, all evil comes from. And he defeats. His goal is to defeat not not a group of people, but the enemy itself. You know, um, the, the, the scripture In Ephesians 6, verse 12, clearly makes it uh, known that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of the dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. So what Jesus is actually doing, He is resolving the issue of sin and death itself that has plagued every single person that has lived and, uh, and that will live without His intervention. You know, um, human corruption, you know, w- was something that has affected us all. And today you might be thinking, well, it's affected me. You know, you are very aware of your own brokenness. And it doesn't take long, you know, to, to switch on TV or to, to walk past a newsstand to realise that it's not, not just a personal problem. It is a global uh, social problem as well, that there is so much brokenness in our world. And this is not the heart of God. And ultimately, all of this has come about from back in Genesis 3 when people chose to become like God rather than to trust God. And they put themselves in the place of God and that, that decision to separate themselves from God actually cut off that, that life that God intended them to have with Him. All of a sudden, there was separation from our Creator, separation from life itself. And Jesus comes at Christmas, to solve that problem. I might just ask our keys player just to come, and I'm just going to read a couple of scriptures to you, and we're actually going to go back and sing that carol. And I really pray that this morning, as we sing the lyrics of this profound carol, and carols are so amazing in that they capture so much theology, and they actually are a declaration of truth in many ways, and I love how you can be walking through secular society, people without even realising it, are declaring these things, And all it takes is the Holy Spirit to breathe on some of these things for people to become aware of the power of these words. But we're going to sing it in a minute. And as we do, I want to encourage you. Come on, come with fresh eyes and an open heart. But we have Jesus who arrives at Christmas. And this is what the writer of Hebrews explains his role is. In Hebrews 2, verse 14 to 17, it says, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by His death, He might break the power of Him who holds the power of death. And Joel so brilliantly shared this around communion. That is the devil. And free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels He held, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason, He had to be made like them. Son of God, born as a human, fully human in every way, in order that He might become a merciful and faithful High Priest in the service of God and that He might make atonement for the sins of the people. Do you know, for the first century Jews who were expecting a military Messiah, Jesus in many ways would have messed with their head. But quickly for those who were soft enough what God was doing, they realised that what Jesus was actually achieving through His life, through His death and through His resurrection was so much greater than a momentary shift of power on earth. It is freedom for all people. It is the forgiveness of sins. It is reconciliation with God Himself. The freedom that Jesus offers is so absolute It actually transcends our circumstances. And sometimes you might think, man, Jesus, why didn't you just go around and you know, do everything at once and just flip everything on His head? And He's like, no, 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 the freedom I'm offering here, it actually transcends circumstances. You can actually be in Christ and you can be going through something difficult, but have complete freedom. You could actually be in prison right now. And there are many who have come to faith in prison, on the other side of these bars, they are physically bound, but they are more free than a lot of people who are walking around the streets today because the liberty that God brings transcends our circumstances. And that is a great hope for people today who are going through difficult circumstances. It's a great hope for you if you think, man, I don't know how I'm gonna get through this. The power of Jesus at work in your life means that you can do it. Paul himself, he explained this so beautifully in Philippians. He says, well, you know what? I've discovered the secret to being content in every situation and it is this. It is I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It is no matter if I have a lot or I have want, no matter if I'm, I'm struggling or things are okay, because I have Him, I have all that I need. And ultimately what Jesus wants to do is set you free at a far deeper level than anyone else ever could. And in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 to 21, It sums up this beautiful Gospel message, the good news that Jesus came to bring like this. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. All of this is from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and then gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Before I continue this Scripture, I actually feel that there's someone in this room and you have been living in condemnation because of the mistakes you've made, because of the sin that you've had in your life and you have felt like you are beyond God's reach. Well, I want you to read this Scripture in your own time, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, 20. And what you're going to discover is it was God Himself who set about to reconcile you. It's not through your own works. It's not through your own effort. It's not through being perfect. God said, I'm coming after you because you're my son, you're my daughter, and no sin is going to stand between you and me. And I will come and I will do what has to be done so that you can be set free, forgiven of your sins and become new in me goes on to say, And He's committed us to the ministry of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making His appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made Him who had no sin be sin for us, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. You know, a great way to think about what Jesus achieved when He came to earth is this, you know, God didn't just whippersnipper the weeds. <laughs> you, know, you ever hacked a garden full of weeds with a snipper? It looks good for a moment, but who knows those weeds are coming back oftentimes in greater number. You know, Jesus didn't come to whippersnipper these weeds. He actually inserted Himself, plunged Himself into the soil of humanity to uproot the weed altogether. He went down into the depths and He dealt with once and for all the issue of sin and the one who had led humanity astray, the devil. The Bible says that He is victorious over death and Hades. He holds the keys to death and Hades and teaches us that all who are in Him are new creations. You know, Jesus ushers in this kingdom and all who are in Christ are a part of this kingdom and are reconciled to God. You know, the Scripture we read at the start, it basically lands at this angel telling Joseph about who Jesus is and, and what He is going to do. It says, You shall name Him Jesus. You shall name Him Jesus for He will save the, His people from sin. Jesus came to save us from our sin. That is what Christmas is all about and all who are in Him, All who are His people experience the fullness of this forgiveness. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. What we believe. And what we celebrate at Christmas is an absolute miracle. And it is far greater than circumstantial change or behaviour change. It is an absolute liberation of our soul from the grip of the enemy who would keep us bound and separate from God. And it brings us back into reconciliation with the one who is life. And as you are reconciled to God, the life of God begins to flow. And this is what we saw in the ministry of Jesus, the kingdom of Jesus. Wherever He went, the forces of darkness were pushed back. Wherever He went, the effects of sin were denied, wherever He went, healing came, wherever He went, liberty came, wherever He went, there was breakthrough, wherever He went, people had revelation, wherever He went, the oppressed were set free. Can you see that wherever He goes, where His presence is, transformation takes place and that is what Christmas is truly all about, introducing people to the story of Jesus and that's what Christmas is, where we remember who He is. I'm just gonna ask the band to come back up and I'm just gonna ask all of us, why don't we just stand now and before we sing this this carol, which is in its its, essence, a powerful worship song, I'm gonna pray for you. And just right now, why don't you just close your eyes and maybe just open up your heart towards God, maybe open up your hands towards heaven and just lean into God right now. And maybe for you, (laughs) Christmas, And the power of Christmas has sort of drifted from the front of your mind. It's stopped being something that is present in your day to day. We don't celebrate something that happened once and, and, and was done. We celebrate something that began all those years ago and continues into eternity. And every single day, the promise of Christmas is, I am with you. I am with you. Where you were once alone, you are no longer alone. Where you once were on your own, you are no longer on your own. I have come. I have forgiven your sin. I have dealt with the problem so that you in me can be reconciled to the Father and can experience life and life to the full. And so right now, if you are not walking in the liberty that Jesus won for you, if you are not experiencing the power of freedom that God has for you, if you have sickness in your body and you, you wanna come back to God and ask for His healing touch, if you need to hear God's voice, then wherever you are right now, that is yours in Christ. Let's not live another moment without the awareness that God is with us. Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more info about Horizon Church, please visit our website at hz.church. Have a fantastic day and we hope to see you again soon.